tonight and be finding the book of 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter number 1, and uh, we'll get back here in our study here of 1 Peter, and uh, I think this is about the uh, eighth week maybe, eighth week, uh, yeah, week number eight we've been in this passage, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get through verse number 12 tonight, and uh, don't you just love the Word of God? Uh, it's, it is inexhaustible. And, you know, um, I, I've got some favorite books that I've read over and over and over, and I've referenced them several different times. But, you know, when a man writes a book, um, you, you, can, you can get to the point where you've learned everything out of it that there is to know. Uh, but you cannot do that to the Bible. Uh, the Bible is inexhaustible, and uh, boy, I sure am thankful for the Word of God tonight. And so we're going to be back here in First Peter, First uh, Peter, chapter number one. And uh, if you found your place, let's all stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. And we're going to read three verses tonight and uh, look at them here in tonight's Bible study. Look with me in verse number ten, First Peter, chapter number one, verse number ten. The Bible says here of which salvation, now, uh, which salvation are we talking about? Well, if you look back, we were in verse number nine. We concluded last week in verse nine, and we find the salvation is talking about. That's the salvation of your souls. So uh, verse 10 says, of which salvation, so we know what we're talking about here, the salvation of your souls. It says, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Uh, verse 11 says, search what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look unto. Uh, or look into. Now, thank you for standing. You can be seated tonight. And uh, we've been talking uh, uh, or been speaking a whole lot about salvation over the last several weeks and our several Bible studies, and rightly so, because the book of 1 Peter has a lot to say about salvation. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible I'm using tonight is a Thomas Nelson Bible, and it has uh, introductions, every book of the Bible that uh, it has an introduction to the book uh, right on the front page. And here's what it says for the book of First Peter. It says, persecution can cause either growth or bitterness in the Christian life. Response determines the result. Did y'all catch that? Response determines the result. In writing to Jewish believers struggling in the midst of persecution, Peter encourages them to conduct themselves courageously for the person and program of Christ. Having been born again into a lively hope or living hope, they are to imitate the Holy One who has called them. The fruit of that character will be conduct rooted in submission. For example, as we study the book of 1 Peter, we're going to look at submission as far as citizens to the government, servants to masters, wives to husbands, husbands to wives. Don't forget that part. 
Uh, I used to pick on my daddy-in-law all the time because he'd always, he'd walk around, he'd say, uh, he'd, he'd say, uh, 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 wives, submit to your husbands. I'd look at him and say, yeah, read on down there, hoss. You know, it don't stop there. And he'd, he'd do that to joke around when, when uh, Marla wouldn't listen to him or something like that. And I'd always say, hey, now, I said, it's a team effort. You work together. That's what the Bible says. And, uh, but anyways, we're looking at uh, Christians to one another submit. Uh, submitting there also. But here's the thing, uh, it goes on to say this, only after submission is fully understood does Peter deal with the difficult area of suffering. And so with that in mind, let me share with you an outline of the entire book of 1 Peter. You can, you can separate the book or break the book down into four different sections. The first section which is in chapter number one, uh, would be a message depicting the believer's salvation. In chapter number two, in part of chapter number three, you find a message describing the believer's submission. And then in chapter, uh, halfway through chapter three, through about halfway through chapter four, we find a message discussing the believer's suffering. And then finally, the fourth uh, section of the book is, is chapter five. On uh, chapter five, we find a message demonstrating the believer's service. And so with that or understanding that or after I've shared that with you, you can see why we've been talking so much about salvation in chapter number one. It's because salvation is the foundation of our lives. And uh, none, none of this other stuff comes uh, until you're saved. Uh, right? It makes sense. And you got to understand, uh, our, well, let me just put it this way. Our lives, I know we're, we're born, we're alive, we're here physically, but honey, your life didn't really start until the day you got saved, until the day you got born again. Uh, the Bible talks uh, how we are before salvation and we're, we're, we're dead. We're spiritually dead. Sure, we might be able to move. We might be able to move our arms. We may be able to breathe. But, uh, I mean, when it comes to a real life, that's when you're born again. And uh, so uh, it's only when we realize what we have in Jesus that we can move on, we can mature, and face the trials and tribulation of life with the proper outcome. And we talked about that in these messages and, and, and these studies, how the world doesn't, I mean, really, you think about it, I, I, I look back and I know I'm saved and I know, you know, I, I've got the Lord with me and, and He's with me no matter what, but I, I look back through some of the things I've been through and I think, how in the world could I face that without Him? And the world does that. And, and I just, I don't know what I'd do without Jesus. I really don't. And, um, and so as a believer, we are to imitate Christ. We are to grow in his grace and in our knowledge of him. Every single day is to be a maturing process as we are challenged to become like him. Now, it's important because I've, I've said this a lot in this study. I, I've mentioned several times how we are to imitate Christ. We are to be like Christ. But something that's very important to understand is that we, uh, we are not able to identify identify uh, with Christ when it comes to his perfection or his power. We have a whole movement of people today that say, just because Christ is living within me, then I can do everything Christ can. 
And they say that they have the power to speak things into existence and work things into existence and heal people and do all of this stuff just because, I mean, we, we got a bunch of people, uh, we got a bunch of people out there that believe that they are God because Christ lives within them. That's not how it works. It's not Bible. That's not what Bible teaches. Now, our strength comes from Christ. Our strength is not our own. Still belongs to Christ, even though Christ is living within us. And uh, man, you got to be careful with that stuff. And so uh, I feel compelled to to clarify that we're not able to identify to Christ, with Christ when it comes to His perfection. You and I ain't perfect. I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but if it does, I guess it needed bursting. We're not perfect. Uh, I'm not perfect. Just because I stand up here and God's called me to preach and, and, and he's called me to pastor a church, I, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. And uh, we got to watch out. We look at certain people like they're somehow better than others, but no, none of us are better than anybody else. And so uh, we need to understand that. But listen to me. Here's the point of First Peter, and here's the point that I'm trying to drive home. We are privileged, though, to identify with Christ when it comes to our suffering, when it comes to our trials and tribulations that we face. Because here's the thing. You know, the Jews, it was a big stumbling block for them. They couldn't quite figure out. You know, they're still looking for a superman to come from outer space, technically, and avenge them. And uh, when, when Christ, uh, the Messiah, was born as a little bitty helpless baby, they just couldn't figure that one out. And, uh, but I'm thankful that he chose to come that way. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that, uh, that he, everything we've ever faced, you know who else faced it? He did. All the pain that we have felt before, guess what? He actually experienced more than what most of us have. Actually, I'd say he experienced more than anybody ever has. Uh, but uh, here's, the, here's the other thing. He's been tempted like we have, the Bible tells us. Hey, when you struggle with things, guess what? Christ did too. The only difference is Christ didn't sin. And there you go. He was perfect. We are not. And so First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21, though, uh, says, For even hereunto ye were called, or were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, watch this, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Hebrews chapter 12 says this in verse 2 and 3, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so we are to look to Jesus. We are to, uh, we are, we are to, uh, uh, we are to rejoice that we can associate with Jesus and identify with Jesus when it comes to suffering and trials. And so with that in mind, let's take a, let's take a look at our verses here tonight. Verse number 10, I want you to notice something. We find in verse number 10, we find the search of the prophets. Look at what it says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. So we see the search of the prophets right there. Peter points the believers back to the Old Testament prophets who foretold the coming of the Messiah and the salvation that he would provide us. And they didn't understand it fully. Could you just imagine this? They didn't understand it fully. They, uh, they wrote as the Spirit of God moved them to write. 
I've often said it. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall. Uh, because, I mean, could you just imagine that? They were moved to write about things that they didn't know nothing about. And they really couldn't understand what they were writing about. And so uh, they were moved that way. And so uh, they, they didn't understand it fully. But you know what they did? They proclaimed what was revealed to them faithfully. And so many, uh, many waited for centuries for the promised Messiah. And what great faith they possessed in order to believe in something that was yet to happen. You know what? Tonight, every single one of us have an advantage. We have an advantage because we can put our faith in that which has already come to pass in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. Just get a hold of that for a minute, okay? They... He had not ever, the first advent of Christ had never happened. And these prophets, they would write about it and they would preach about the, 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 the first coming of Christ. And then here we are, we're looking back on that. We're looking back. We've got the records, y'all, New Testament. We've got the records of eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. Just think about that. That is an advantage. Here's what Hebrews chapter 1 says, uh, verse 1 and 2, uh, about these prophets of old. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And so get this, they were, the prophets would get a word from God back in the Old Testament day, and then they would preach it out. You just think about this. How many times have I told you here in this church, and I preach something, when we do a Bible study, go home and make sure I'm telling it right. Study the word. The Bible tells us all, not just a pastor, not just a Sunday school teacher, not just a Bible college student. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, here's the thing. I've said that so many times. Go home. See if I'm right or not. We need to. That's a problem. That's why so many churches are off over here in this field and off over here in this field. And the truth is not being proclaimed anymore. Nobody knows the difference because they don't go home and search the scriptures. And here's the thing, the Bible tells us to try the spirits, tells us to search the spirit. I mean, search the scripture. Here's the thing, the Bereans, I'm telling you, that's what they did. They would listen to a message, they'd go home and they'd see if it was right or wrong by the word of God. Now listen, in the Old Testament, could you just imagine this? The prophet would show up and say, the Lord said. Okay, well, I'm going to see if that's right. No. Here's what I'm trying to get us to understand. We have an advantage because of this right here. We have an advantage. And so, and so uh, what we have today is, is what was spoken of in times past by the prophets. We have by the word of Jesus Christ. What is that? It's right here. Every bit of it. Every single bit of it. And so, uh, and so these Old Testament prophets, they had a message from God for the people of their day, but they also had a message from God for the people of a coming day, a future day. And 1 Peter 1.10 tells us that these men inquired and searched diligently into knowing more about the salvation that was to come, especially the grace that was to come. And uh, that's interesting. Here's what they did. They inquired and they investigated the matter. These men of God were puzzled to understand the gospel of grace, which seemed to make their religion of good works and sin offerings outdated. Think about that. 
All they had was the law back then. And here they are prophesying under the inspiration of God about a coming day of grace. They didn't know what that was about. They didn't. They were still sacrificing. They were still doing all of the rituals, all the religious rituals that uh, many of the Jews still do today, especially the Orthodox Jews. But here's the thing. They searched diligently, which is a phrase from uh, a Greek word meaning to search out anxiously and diligently. It's the same word that was used to describe a dog sniffing out something with its nose. And uh, I, Andrew Whitman, he wrote this. He said, the prophets were people of perspiration and inspiration. Having received God's word, they didn't sit back and leave it for a future generation to dig into. But they studied what God told them. Tried to figure it out. It's interesting. It's shameful tonight for us to think that multitudes believe the promises of God simply because God stated them. And yet we can read the historical record of God's faithfulness and doubt His Word. Just think about that. Think about that. I thought it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast episode uh, yesterday, and uh, man, uh, he he. Uh, I mean, it just it hit me. It hit me real hard. He said he, he said they were, they were trying to they were dissecting a verse and uh, a verse that's uh, kind of misinterpreted a whole lot, and there's a lot of different views on it. And they were looking at it, and this guy he he kind of chimed in. He was an older man. He said, "Fellas, let me just tell you." He said, "Here's what I think." He said, I think a lot of times we read the Word of God trying to figure out what it means. And he said, what we ought to do is read the Word of God and just look at what it says. Man, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, a few weeks back, uh, a few weeks back on our own podcast that me and my pastor does uh, with Pastor Jake Easter also, we were talking about something and, and uh, Brother Jonathan, my pastor, he, he brought up, he said, you know what, sometimes I think we can, he's like, I say this very carefully because we have to study. It's Bible to study. He said, but I'm afraid sometimes we study too much. Y'all understand what I'm saying there? Sometimes you can study so much uh, that, that you start seeing what you think. Just about as bad as, as, as putting your own opinion into the Word. And uh, no, y'all know I study. I love to study the Word of God, and we're supposed to study the Word of God. But, so don't take that the wrong way. But I, I love what that preacher said. He said, sometimes it just says what it says. And it's up to us just to read it. And, um, and so, but you think about it. These Old Testament prophets, they, they, these people, they believe the promises of God just because God said them. Yet we've got the historical record. We've got the proof in our hands. And we still doubt God sometimes. If our, in our faithless skepticism, sometimes we think that God will somehow let us down. He never let them down, did he? No, he sure didn't. He never let them down. Today we have the full revelation. But I wonder how many of us diligently search the scriptures to find out more about this great salvation. I wonder how caught up we are with salvation that we long to know about it or long to know more about it. Do we take for granted this great salvation? Warren Wiersbe wrote this. He said, if the Old Testament prophets searched so diligently into the truths of salvation and yet had so little to go on, how much more ought we to search into this subject now that we have a complete word from God? 
Boy, there's a lot of truth in that statement. So number one, we see the search of the prophets. And number two tonight, we see the sufferings of the Savior. Look in verse number 11 with me. We see the sufferings of the Savior. What does it say? Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. See, Peter, Peter goes on to write here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that, that the Old Testament prophets Search diligently about what? Well, about the what of salvation, the when of salvation, the who of salvation, and the work of salvation. That's what they, 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 were, they were being moved and inspired of God to write these things, and they wanted to know more about it. And so Peter tells about the means of the prophet's preaching right here. And John Phillips writes this. He said, the expression, the Spirit of Christ, is important. It may refer to Christ's own spirit or else to the Holy Spirit, and the expression bears silent witness to the deity of Christ and the preexistence of the Lord Jesus as the Son of God. You see, sir, there's so many religions today that don't believe Jesus. They believe Jesus was a real man. They believe he was an intelligent man. They believe he was a great, uh, great speaker, a great teacher, but they don't believe he was God. The Bible says otherwise. There's so many clues, if you will, for lack of a better word, that Jesus did. Hey, the, the Word was made flesh, but yet we see that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then it goes on and says the Word was made flesh. Obviously talking about Jesus. I, I saw a man, I, I was listening to a man the other day, and, and uh, I listen to people I don't agree with a lot. I like to, I mean, I like to know what's out there. I'll just be honest with you. And it's okay, I can do that. I know what I believe. And here's the thing, though. He was, he was saying, he, he, was a, he was actually a Muslim guy. And uh, he said, nowhere in all of Scripture does Jesus claim to be God. I thought, are you serious? He claimed to be God all over Scripture. All over. You've got to rip half the Bible out. It, to, to be able to honestly say that Jesus never claimed to be God. But yet that's what people, I mean, people believe stuff like that. And so we've got to understand though here, even in 1 Peter, it's talking about the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit was preexistent. It's been here all along. Jesus didn't just start that night in Bethlehem. He didn't. He's always been. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so Peter lets us know that the Spirit of Christ was active in announcing the coming of Christ. It's pretty amazing. He, is, he has been and always will be. There has never been a time that the Lord Jesus did not exist. He is God and His Spirit spoke to the prophets. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament is full of, uh, as a matter of fact, when, when you, you study out and the Lord spake and the Lord said, and even uh, the angel of the Lord, and you'll find Christ all throughout the Old Testament. It's a really interesting study. And so let me just tell you, before he was here, he was there. Does that make any sense? That's a bad way to put it. But hey, that's all my mind can come up with. Before he was here on planet Earth, he was there and always has been. The Spirit of Christ testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. Nothing that we endure, let me tell you this, nothing that we can endure, nothing we will endure in our trials can compare with the suffering of Christ on our behalf. When we're tempted to complain about our trials, you know what we need to do? Because we definitely got trials, we definitely got tribulation in this world. 
You know, before we sit down and have ourselves a little pity party, we need to go to Golgotha first. Well, what do you mean, preacher? You, you mean I'm supposed to book an airline and go over to... No, I ain't talking about that. Visit Golgotha. As a matter of fact, listen to what one of these old prophets who inquired and searched diligently and wrote being inspired by the Spirit of Christ in them about the sufferings of Christ said. It was David, by the way. Psalm chapter 22. Look at what it says. This is a perfect example of what we're talking about tonight. Psalm chapter number 22. The Bible says this. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me around. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture." I'm telling you, with that right there, I'm talking about uh, when you start to complain about what you're going through, you ought to take a trip to Golgotha. Yeah. It'll help you. It'll help you. So thirdly tonight, verse number 12, I want you to look at this. We see the search of the prophets. We see the suffering of the Savior. And then thirdly tonight, we see the service of the saints in verse 12. Look at what it says. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister these things, or the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Hey, it was revealed to the prophets that they were not serving themselves and delivering God's message, but they were actually serving the people that were the recipients of God's message. And these men preached the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent from heaven. And the ministry of sharing the gospel is so wonderful. Uh, it's so wonderful that the angels of heaven crave to watch the ministry of the Word of God in people's lives. Just think about that. Think about that. Even today, you think about this, the ministry of pastors, evangelists, and missionaries, they benefit the people that are recipients of the preaching of God's Word if they'll receive it and if they'll apply it. Now, God wants all of us he wants us all to have some sort of ministry with people, whether it's our family, 
Whether it's our neighbors, whether it's kids at school, whether it's the people we work with every day, God wants each and every one of us, I've often said it this way, every single one of us is a missionary. And when you walk out those glass doors over there, you are going into your mission field. Yeah. And so some of you, I know you've heard this statement, it's so true. To some people, you're probably the only Bible they'll ever see or they'll ever read. People are paying attention. They're watching how we react. They're watching how we deal with things. They know when there's something different about us. And so, but I I want you to understand though, we are all to serve the Lord in some way, but it goes deeper. It actually goes further than this. Here's... Here's where we're at in the context of this verse. Are we willing to partner with Christ in the area of suffering? Are we willing to bear the cross that the Lord has placed upon us? You know, I've often heard a lot, a lot of people we, down through the years, we'll have, we'll have a burden or we'll have, we'll have something that goes on in our life or maybe we've got, a, we've got some sort of handicap or something. People say, well, that's my cross to bear. Or they'll even say that about a particular person. Well, they're my cross to bear. That is not what we're talking about in the Bible. Now, we're, when, when Jesus says, pick up thy cross and follow me, Oh, it seems so it seems so simple from just the words, but what he's talking about is, are you willing to fellowship with his suffering? Paul writes about that. Paul even talks about that. And uh, Paul even mentions that he bears in his body. You know, when these guys, it, 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 I cannot remember what chapter it is, but he, uh, Paul is writing and, and uh these guys are questioning him and they're, they're giving him a hard time. And, and uh, uh, it was all about whether he was genuine or not. And he just looks at him and says, I bear in my body the marks. You know what he's saying? He's saying, just look at me. If you don't know I'm real by looking at me, I don't know what else to tell you. You know why? Because he, I mean, Paul desired that. He desired to, to, to know, to learn Christ. His one thing in his life was to know Christ. He says to know Christ in the fellowship of his suffering. Matthew 16, 24 says this, then Jesus said, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Here we are, Philippians 3, 8. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is writing, he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Here's the thing. We, we all want a crown one day, but most of us are unwilling to bear the cross of suffering. We want easy lives here and still be rewarded at the judgment. But y'all, it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. And so we have nothing in which to glory save in the cross 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now God has given us an amazing salvation. That was the first four messages out of 1 Peter. It's on amazing salvation. These last four that, that uh, we've studied have been on an awesome power and how God gives us the strength to get through life and to get through persecutions and get through trials. And, and we're able to face life the way God intended. Because you know what? God equips us to be able to do that as His children. And so I didn't want to bog down on this, but the last part of verse number 12 is really interesting to me. And I could have come in here for 30 minutes or 40 minutes and talk about angels, but that's not, yeah. A lot of times we get, we get sidetracked on stuff like that and we miss the entire message. But listen, uh, the last part of verse 12 is really interesting. It says, which things the angels desire to look into. And you know, when I thought about that, when I read that and I thought about that, I thought, wow, the angels watch us. And they watch what we do. They watch our worship. They watch our work. They watch our witness. They see how we react to suffering and trials. And so naturally the question pops into my mind, do we confuse the angels? Do we confuse them by our profession versus our practice? Do we, do we walk like we talk? There's a lot of people that don't. There's a lot of people in the Bible that didn't. Jesus called them out for it. Here's the thing. Do we say one thing and yet do another? But then this really got me. I'm sitting here thinking about angels. I'm like, man, how cool is that? They're curious because they don't know what grace is. They don't understand that. And think about that. The ones who are in the very presence of God, <laughs> physically, they serve God. They do His bidding. Uh, they're curious about us. That's just cool to me. But here's what I, I, I got to thinking about that. They watch us. They're curious about us. But then it hit me. It's not just the angels that's watching us. It's not just the angels that are curious about us. What about the world around us? What about the people here? What about the people here around us? You know, the Bible tells us, let your light so shine among men so they may see your good works and glorify, that glorify the Father which is in heaven. So not only do the angels watch us, but let's not get bogged down on that. Because guess what? You got people in this world all around watching you too. And they know how we react, and they're watching to see how we react to trials and tribulations. And you know what? It's only when we're in the Word of God, it's only when we're right with God, that we can react the way that we ought to as children of God. And so let's stand and bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Miss Dawn, you come play softly for us for just a minute. Think about that tonight. Think about that. 